ポッカスタイム今次の放送はファンによるファンのためのファン補充ポッドキャルチアポッドキャストですこの番組はフランドスパンダーやりくの財布の適用に手を送りますショカ地獄の軍団我らを狙う黒い影世界の平和を守るためゴーゴーレッツゴー Hey guys, welcome back to another Tokerific episode of Toku Thursdays Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC I'm gonna be one of your hosts tonight And I am joined tonight by two of my fellow fan holes and one very special guest. Why don't you guys all go around and give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, this is Justin V3. Hey, guys, this is Tony, and I totally know what's going on, and I am like going to be on top of everything tonight. And this is Ron,、uh, Jess Ron from、uh, Dinner for Geeks. Just happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. So, yeah, like we, like we mentioned, we do have a special guest. We've got Ron Sadowski from Dinner for Geeks. We're really happy to have him back. And the topic that we're going to be discussing tonight, although there's been some consternation on the IMDb page as to what the official title is, I'm just going to say we are talking about the film Common Rider Ichigo, which is a film that's part of the whole 45th anniversary for the entire Common Rider series. And it's also part of Toei's Superhero Year project. And this is a film that was actually released in 2016 on March 26th in Japanese theaters across that country. And recently, we've finally gotten a fan sub from the good folks at TV Nihon. So we kind of were all excited to watch this and sit down and discuss it. Well, most of us. We're all excited to watch this and sit down and discuss this. <laughs> But anyway, we're, we're all here and we're all ready and, and sort of raring to go and talk about it. I, I think what my game plan is going to be is I sort of shamelessly swiped a synopsis from the Toku wiki page and I tried to clean it up so that there weren't any run on sentences and things that would drive me crazy while I read it. And so I think what I'll do is I'll go ahead. And go through the synopsis real quick, and then we can start talking, you know, nitty gritty and, and kind of our notes on characters and, and, you know, fun stuff that we noticed and everything. So here we go. This is the synopsis for Kamen Rider Ichigo. Tokyo is under attack by the evil shocker organization, which is intent on capturing a girl named Mayu Tachibana. However, their plans are thwarted by Shocker Nova Corporation Limited, a splinter group bent on conquering the global economy instead of just world domination. Takaru Tenkuji arrives on the scene in his Kamen Rider Ghost Boost Damashi form and tries to help Mayu escape. However, he is quickly overwhelmed by the Nova Shocker General Volga. Luckily, Takashi Hango appears to help dispatch the Shocker combat men. Back at Daikentuji, Takaru, Akari, and Onari learn of the history of Shocker, and Akari deduces that Mayu is from Jonin University affiliated high school based on her school uniform during the attack. 
To know more about Mayu, Takaru, and Akari go undercover at the university as teachers. One day after school, Akari and Mayu are attacked by Shocker when Takashi Hongo once again intervenes and transforms into Kamen Rider Ichigo. Following a brief reunion, Mayu slaps Takashi and runs away. After a brief conversation with Takaru, Akari, Inari, and Makoto Fukami, Takashi Hongo goes to Mayu's class the next day to lecture about the value of life. After school, Takashi and Mayu have a conversation where Mayu is revealed to be the granddaughter of Takashi Hongo's longtime friend, Tobei Tachibana. Mayu has long held a grudge for Takashi's abandonment of her for the past three years. However, the two mend their relationship with three birthday celebrations rolled into one, even though Takashi is barely making ends meet as a blue-collar worker. Meanwhile, Nova Shocker fires an electromagnetic pulse that causes a blackout and mass panic throughout the country, while Shocker reveals that they need Mayu as a sacrificial lamb for their great leader, Ambassador Hell. Takaru and Makoto rush to the park to ask Takashi Hongo for his help in solving the blackout anomaly, but Mayu convinces Takashi to keep his promise to never fight again. Common Rider's Ghost and Spectre arrive at Nova Shocker's headquarters, but are once again overwhelmed by the Generals Volga, Igla, and Buffle. The next morning, Nova Shocker forced the Prime Minister to sign a contract that binds the Japanese government with their organization. In exchange, Nova Shocker will provide the restoration of electricity with their Nova energy, but this only causes mass power outages and destruction. Takaru, Akari, and Onari find Takashi Hongo by a log cabin to once again ask for his help, but to stay in the good graces of Mayu, they help Hongo with his chores instead. Hongo suddenly collapses as years of fighting Shocker has taken its toll on his body. Mayu finally comes to the realization that Takashi did not abandon her, but traveled the world to protect it from Shocker. The cabin is then suddenly attacked by Shocker, led by a revived Ambassador Hell. Hongo fends off the combat men, but his body gives out as Ambassador Hell captures Mayu and prepares her for the sacrifice ritual. Ambassador Hell reveals he was given the icon of Alexander the Great to place within Mayu's body in order to wield its mature power. The ceremony is disrupted by the Nova Shocker, ensuing in a three-way battle between Shocker, Nova Shocker, and the Common Riders. The Alexander icon is released from Mayu's body, but is snatched up by Volga. Common Rider Ichigo saves Mayu, but at the cost of his own life, as a shockwave emitted by Volga's new power kills him. Takashi Hongo's body is cremated that night, while Ghost and Spectre battle Nova Shocker. During the battle, the Alexander icon overwhelms Volga and possesses him to slay his female comrade, Elga. Hearing the cries of Mayu, Takashi Hongo emerges in an epic eruption from his fiery grave. Once Mayu gives Takashi her blessing, he goes to an old garage that is revealed to belong to Mayu's grandfather, Tobei Tashibana. He uncovers a final gift, his latest motorbike, the Neo Cyclone. Ghost and Spectre, along with Ambassador Hell, are at Mac, Volga, and Buffle when Kamen Rider Ichigo arrives to even the odds. With the help of Ichigo, Ghost delivers the victory blow against Buffle. Volga mortally wounds Ambassador Hell, but this gives the three Kamen Riders the opportunity to finish off Volga with a series of Rida kicks. With his dying breath, 
Ambassador Hell destroys the Alexander icon. While Ichigo rides away from the scene, his old foe is left demanding a final confrontation that will never come. Takashi Hongo next says his farewells to Takaru, Akari, Onari, and Mayu along a cliffside. Takaru tells Hongo that he will always be his hero, and Hongo heads off into a windmill-filled beach and transforms into Kamen Rider Ichigo as he rides away into the sunset. And that, in a nutshell, is the nitty-gritty synopsis for the 2016 film Kamen Rider Ichigo. You've decided to go to a nearby restaurant. You ask the hostess to seat you in a booth. As you sit, you notice an animated conversation among the four seated behind you. They're talking about Star Wars and Doctor Who and something called the Laugh Olympics. These are the people you used to pants in high school, and yet you cannot help listening. Unable to tear your ears away, you realize you've just been sucked into the Dinner for Geeks. Dinner for Geeks, weekly at twotruefreaks.com. So I've talked enough. I'm kind of curious. I know Justin was really excited about this whole super time event, you know, superhero celebration, 45th anniversary deal. So I'm going to open with Justin. Like, what, what were your thoughts on this film? Do you want to kind of go into anything specifically as we as we get into the nitty gritty discussion? Uh, not yet. Um, I'll just say that like I, I was really looking forward to this, and there was some like some really kind of bad reviews that I watched on YouTube. So I kind of was like, mm, I, I don't know about this. So it kind of like put me off a little bit. But I was like, okay, I'm just I'm just gonna watch it anyway. So I you know sat down and watched it, and I really liked it. Takashi kind of feels like uh, an old boxer who's maybe past his prime. He's just kind of like. He's barely kind of hanging on, you know, you can see him, like, very, very early on after he's beat those guys in Bangkok, he, like, kind of, like, stumbles a little bit, he kind of collapses, but gets back up, and, you know, when you, at the, you say that in the very beginning, you're like, mm, I don't know, like, I, I kind of don't want to see, like, you know, Kamen Rider Ichigo, like, brought low, even if it's, like, a, you know, a heart problem or something, but, like, I really liked it, I thought it had, like, some really nice action scenes. Like, there's there's one part where Ichigo is fighting Wolga, and they're kind of like, Wolga is on top of him, and he's, like, doing some kind of, like, you know, energy effect to his chest, and they're kind of, like, floating through the air slowly. And then it's, like, a very quick cut, and they, like, fall to a top of a car. And I was like, that's kind of, like, that's that's really interesting. I was like, they, they, like, you know, kept the camera on them for as long as possible, it felt like. And then it's like, wham, they hit the car. I was like, I... I don't think I've seen anything like that in a in a Cohen writer or, or a Sentai like episode or film. So like I I like that. Some of the problems I had, it's like too often it's like the movie will be in the middle of an action an an action scene only to cut away. Like at the beginning, uh, Takashi finds the shocker troops. Ghost is injured, and then it cuts back to like the temple with all the ghost guys, and they're like you know putting like a bandaid on a ghost wound. I'm like well. You like you just like you cut out of the action into this, and then there's like another part where Ghost Inspector arrive at Nova Shocker headquarters, and they're fighting the three leaders, and then it just cuts to like a meeting room, and they're like trying to do this like business deal with the government, and I was like, what, what happened? Like, did you guys like run out of money in the middle of this battle? Like, what made you think this business deal stuff was like 
more interesting than Ghost and Spectre fighting Nova Shocker. I was like, I kind of like, I'm like, I don't get what made you cut from that to that. Like that, that didn't really make sense to me. But like overall, I've really liked it. I kind of wish they would have explained where Takashi got his power up form from. That like that's that's what they're calling it in like the the official like uh, synopsis and whatnot. That it's called power up. And I was hoping they would explain where he got it, but they didn't. And like the last time we saw Kamen Rider Ichigo was in Superhero Tyson GP. The one with like, you know, the race and like he, he didn't have that form in that movie. And that movie was only like a couple years ago. And now he has this. So I'm like, well, where did he get it? Where did he come from? And then it's also like, well, where did the Neo Cyclone come from? I'm like, okay, clearly Tachibana built it. Well, I'm like, well, why didn't he give it to him? Like, why didn't Takashi take it? Like, obviously he know, he knew where to get it, but he's like, ah, oh, I'm just going to like leave that brand new bike there for like one day. I know I'm going to need it, so that's going to be like my backup. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm I'm also kind of curious because one of the reasons we invited Ron on the show is he does have a significant history with Kamen Rider, and he grew up watching a lot of the shows in Hawaii. But I also sort of know that we kind of turned him on to watching Gaim through Toku Thursdays. So I guess my, my opening is not only like what did you think of this film, but are, are you... Do you have any questions for us? Like, are you are were you able to follow like things that were happening in this film good enough? Or because I, I know it is sort of tied into the current series, Common Rider Ghost, as well. Well, I, I had no problem following the series. I, I mean, yeah, there were certain things that I didn't. I knew, I knew that uh, Maya was uh, was someone's granddaughter, but I couldn't figure out exactly whose. But I, I just assumed, oh, it's a friend that we don't remember. Uh, it's been thir- uh, 35, 45 years or whatever, you know, uh, since we've seen him interact with anyone on a regular basis. So, oh, it's my best friend. Uh, you know, we actually never had in an episode before, right? You know. Well, yeah, I mean, it, you know, how, it looks you know like shows are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least in this case, like, I think once you saw the photo, like, I think that's when everything clicked for me because I was like, oh, like, I, I think the whole time I was watching it, I had the same reaction as you. Like, I didn't, I didn't connect the names with the faces and everything. But I, I think mm-hmm. now when, you know, when he picks up that photo at the end and he, he says, oh, this was, you know, boss's, Basically, it's like this was Boss's granddaughter. Then I, I think the way I would describe it to the layman, like if you're a layman and you're listening to this, like basically the the main gist of this is Kamen Rider Ichigo is like James Bond. And if Q had a granddaughter and James Bond raised her, that is essentially what is going on in this this movie, you know, that the... The, the Mayu is the granddaughter, and once she was kind of a, an adult, per se, or at least, you know, she's she's a high schooler. But, I mean, once she was kind of of age, you know, he went off to, you know, go be in a bunch of movies and fight Shocker and whatever, you know. But but that, that seems to be the gist of their backstory. And then, one, I guess for me, like, this was kind of a learning experience because I knew, I knew Tobei Tachibana from having watched maybe a dozen or so episodes of the original series, that he was the guy who was always working on Kamen Rider's bike and was, like, the guy who was basically, like, his, you know, 
best bud is supporting character or whatever. And I knew that carried over into V3 because he was part of that whole Boy Scout troop or whatever that was always calling everybody <laughs> on the CB radios and stuff. Like, they always called him Chief in that. So I, I knew he was a continuing character, but I, I don't think I realized to this point, like, how many series he was in, which is why I kind of describe him yeah. as, like, the Q of the series, because I, I didn't realize that, I mean, he, he was basically a confident and aide to, like, the and first... Yeah, yeah, to, to, like, the first, what, like, six or so common Riders? Seven. Seven, see? So I was just like, wow. Yeah, like, uh, uh, according to, like, the common Rider wiki, like, he's been in, like, approximately 240 episodes of common Rider. Wow. That looks so, like, yeah, that was, like, one week of them. So <laughs> I don't think it really just uh, hurts it if you don't know who that guy is. I mean, he calls him boss. I, I love I love depending on which uh, dub you're watching because he's either called father or uh, president or um, sensei or, or pops. <laughs> boss. I like I like pops. I, yeah, you know, I like. I, it was it always confused me. I'm like they don't have any idea yeah. who this guy is to him. You know? <laughs> they keep changing it. But yeah, that was I. That was the, really the only thing I didn't quote unquote get. But you know, I knew she was the granddaughter of someone, a, a close friend. So I didn't. I you know, it. I don't think I'd been watching it with my grandkid, and I'd grown up watching it, and and I'm shut. And that happened. I'm like, oh, you know, and I might be overly excited, but uh, you know, I I thought it was fine. It, it it gave it enough of. I did find it a little disingenuous. You know, she's very upset with him. For leaving her, but she's obviously was not a child when he left. She still seems very immature about the whole thing. I I think this kind of keys into like one of my like gut feelings about this film, and and it's kind of funny because I feel like I was already getting into arguments about this on message boards already before we came on the show tonight. But <laughs> so so uh, you know if it offends anybody's like you know sensibilities or whatever, what I'm about to say like that's fine, but. Like, I, I was kind of thinking of, of Mayu as, like, your atypical millennial, like, because I, I and, and again, I, it was pointed out to me that millennials aren't millennials, they're actually, like, post-millennials or something, but, you know, basically, like, she's what, she's, like, 16, 17, like-ish, you know, so, like, you're thinking, oh, okay, this film was released in 2016, like, she was born in, like, 1999, 2000, you know, and, and like Ron was saying, like, she does... She, she is very kind of oblivious to the world outside of her own little pond, you know, like, and, and I, I think some of her arc is coming to that realization, like, oh, yeah, there's, there's other people who live in this world, and they have other responsibilities other than focusing on just me, you know, and, and I felt like because this deals with Hongo, you know, Takashi Hongo, like, I mean, he's the OG common Rider. I mean, he was the dude from 73 that was the original common Rider. He was a, a 30-year-old, suave, badass dude, like, back then, you know, and, and now he's 70 years old. I mean, this is like, you know, Harrison Ford coming back to play Han Solo, or, you know, I, 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 I sort of chagrin to make these comparisons because it does kind of crack me up sometimes because I know Justin was asking where the, you know, where the, the power up mode came from. And I'm like, it came from wanting to hide the, the beer gut belly is where it came from. But, but, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, so, so he's got these kind of Captain Kirk, you know, 
kung fu belly flop kicks and you know like those kind of things you know going on in the background but that's not to decry from the idea that this guy is the original guy who started it all and like they do a very good job of treating him with the proper reverence and weight and you know his introductions are great like when he when he shows up on the scene and fights like it's weird it's like they they almost ignored that, you know, he's kind of like 70 years old and, and, and kind of out of shape, you know, like you, you might have to do if like you had William Shatner come back and play Captain Kirk in like one of these J.J. Abrams movies. But then again, like they sort of take it into account by the way that suit is designed. You know, it's like trying to cover it all up when he's actually in power up writer mode and stuff like that. So. Hey, Derek, I, I, I dare you to say that to his face. You know, he's got like uh, two black belts and a brown belt in different uh, uh, disciplines. So. No, no, no. I mean, it, it, <laughs> like that's not to take away from from, you know, his ability on this. Like uh, to me, I think it's impressive. Like, you know, like I'm saying, it's not like I wouldn't need a, a giant freaking suit to cover up my fucking beer <laughs> belly either if I went on the show now. <laughs> But I guess what I'm kind of getting at is you've got these two sort of disparate generations that are together. It's like he's supposed to be the grandfather figure to to this girl's like granddaughter, you know, this this, right. you know, and, and, and it's like there there is that kind of disconnect between the two generations. And, and And it's not like he's not going out of his way, like he doesn't try to bend over backwards to, you know, love her and and take care of her when he understands how she feels. But again, like maybe just giving in to all those sort of whims and whimsy. I mean, ultimately like what you sort of discover, you know, maybe it's both their arcs, you know, it doesn't really help anybody to just roll over for somebody's feelings, I guess if that, you know, and if that offends anybody's feelings, like, you know, I guess tough shit. But, you know, yeah, well, uh, I, I think uh, one of the things we can definitely say is and I, I thought this was whenever he's fighting and it's great because uh, I, I'll generally we can say about most of the modern karma writers, they do a lot of body movements. They're, they're always swinging their arms or, you know, stomping their foot or, you know, you know, repositioning themselves. And you sometimes go, why are you wasting time doing that? Go beat them up, uh, you know. Hongo, he doesn't move. Bad guys come to him and he beats them up. That's the way he operates. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, and it's yeah. it's a conservation of energy, and it's so much more uh, Zen uh, or even Buddhist in, in that you know he's he's not you know even when when he comes to uh, the point where he uh, transforms into Kamen Rider, uh, he, it's it's very slow and it's very deliberate. And it's not it's not the, you know, the quick, you know, shift my arms this way, shift my arms this way, uh, jump around and look silly. It's it's very dignified. It's very um, and I hate to say this masculine because well, uh, he, he is he is an extremely masculine individual. Like, I mean, you know, despite everything I said, I, I think that's why it becomes so so apparent, like that even in his his old age. Like, yeah, there, there's that aspect to it. And hopefully, you know, you, you, you either sort of have to kind of suspend your disbelief or, or what have you. But I, I think even when I saw that original series, I just thought to myself, man, like, 
what is a more masculine name for the character than Hongo? I mean, like, <laughs> it's just like the, the name is masculine, like his his whole demeanor and attitude. I mean, man, in his prime, like, I mean, he was slick, but he was also kind of badass and like, you know, he wouldn't take no shit and he still doesn't take no shit. So like that, that kind of, I think, demeanor or notion, I mean, you know, especially when you think of all the sort of uh, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I'll just go out and say it, but like all the kind of metrosexual common writers that have <laughs> followed, you know, like like you're just like sitting there going, well, man, like nobody is more masculine and kind of badass than the original guy, and and it, it is very kind of evident when you when you put the the original generation up against the current generation, which which I find kind of interesting because you've got Takaru who, you know, I, I guess, you know, Ron's probably not too privy to this, but we have discussed Ghost a little bit on the show. I know one of our friends and guests, John Vanover, is like a big fan of Ghost, but I think, I think you know, especially Justin, but even myself and Tony, like we're not quite super keen on Ghost. I don't, I don't think their appearances in this in any way distracted or detracted from the arc for Takashi Hongo, you know, like I thought all that stuff, all that drama was well played and it was good. But I, I mean, you know, I guess that is something I'm kind of curious about is like, what was your perception or how did you, how did you perceive and react to the, the common writer ghost characters, Ron? Like, was that anything you took note of? Like, do you have any well, strong opinions about them one way or the other? Very strong opinions, very strong opinions. No, uh, the, the thing was, is yeah, they're going to always use whatever the current series is to tie it in. That's marketing. I, and having not seen any ghost episodes, I have, have no idea who these people were. I thought it was fine. Uh, actually, I, Ghost and uh, and Spectre, I, I thought those were both pretty good characters, and they they seem to they seem to present them well, so that you pretty you got quickly a handle on who they were, what their sort of I don't want to say issues, but the way they sort of look at life, the way they uh, respond to situations. Now the rest of the supporting cast, uh, that that they they were a little annoying, but you know probably <laughs> in the right context, they probably were fine. Um, no, no, I think I think you had it on the money. That's they're, pretty much the synopsis of Ghost. Yeah. yeah, they're 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 pretty they're pretty annoying in in either context. I think. And, I, and I, I have to ask I have to ask this question about Ghost because we find out in the in the film that the reason Comrade Ghost is called Comrade Ghost because he's a ghost. Same respect. They're dead. They're actually dead. Which I don't really understand. Well, I I do understand. They're fighting for the living because they miss it so much or something like that but is everyone else they know dead no like my, well, I, I, the, I, the basic, yeah well the basic plot idea is the the main character ghost he is dead and he has to get these icons within a certain amount of time and he actually has a chance to come back to life and that's the entire thing he's supposed to get all these icons and he can become a part of the world of the living and besides him and Spectre and the, the the bad guys of the universe, like everybody else is alive. Like all the all the supporting okay. characters, they're all alive. So, like they, so the, yeah. the so the annoying monk characters actually are alive yes. monks. 
Yes, there they, he is alive <laughs> and a very annoying monk. Yes, that, that I, is the case. I, I will say one thing. Like I, you know, I, I'm no fan of Ghost. Like I, I think the supporting cast and even Ghost himself, like they're just like wacky, like cartoon caricatures of like people. They act so like off the wall. I can't take them seriously even for a second. Like they were really restrained in this. Like that was a concern of mine. I was like, oh man, it's gonna be like. It's gonna be like fifty percent each ago and like fifty percent ghost like dorks and they're gonna like stink up the whole thing. <laughs> no, they were they were pretty well restrained. There was one part that really made me like genuinely laugh when um Onari accuses uh Irie of being jealous of, of Mayu. She's like, you know, what's your like oh, yeah, you know, what's your yeah. definition for this? And he spells that he goes L O V E and he like he's like so like gleeful spelling it out and he he like laughs and turns away from the camera like I like I was genuinely laughing I was like that was pretty good like I'll give you that one yeah that that was that was a pretty decent moment like I think I think if they all had the same payoff as that I might be more accepting of those characters but I I think like in some cases like you said cartoonish and caricaturish just for for the sake of being that way and and I I wasn't sure myself like. I was like, oh, yeah, like, Ghost and those guys are in this. I go, I wonder how that's going to play out. But I, I think I'd agree with Justin that, that I mean, it, it, again, they weren't they weren't overwhelming the movie. You know, it's like, yes, there were moments. Like, I know when, when they when they show up and everything, you know, I did have some of those moments where, oh, boy, here's Onari, and he's going to do his little, you know, or, or at the beginning when, when Sanin's there. Here's these assholes. <laughs> Well, it's like it's like it's like Senin like is is a ghost. The guy who was in drag in the beginning that was singing the karaoke song and everything, like that right. guy is a ghost. But but again, it was like one of those things where like I I was discussing with Justin before we even got on the air. I go, I wonder how that'll play with somebody like yourself, Ron, who's like basically coming to this without any preconceived notions. You know, it's like obviously he doesn't always show up in drag and singing karaoke. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, right, but like sure. that's But that's how you're introduced to that character, you know? Like, like so my you're... Uncle Fred doesn't either. You're sitting there thinking to yourself, oh, geez, like, is, is the whole movie going to be like this? You know, and, and thankfully, you know, it wasn't. I mean, it was like there were, weren't all these crazy caricature-ish, cartoonish things going on. And and I think when there were, like, really, really, like, serious moments, whether it had to do with... I mean, you know, one thing that didn't really come up in the synopsis is in the beginning, you know, you're, you're in Thailand, and that's where Takashi Hongo's been, I guess, for, for some of this time. And there clearly are these, these thugs that he's been, you know sticking it to or whatever and then a bunch of them show up to sort of get payback for their colleagues and stuff and he's just finishing his meal and then he goes to kick the shit out of them and kind of like justin insinuated there's this moment where you know this is the first instance we see where he kind of after he does all the badass stuff walks away everybody parts like the sea because he's such a badass and everything then he goes to a knee he takes a knee and and grabs his heart and you know, then then you kind of have the the notice that like, oh well, you know, he's not he's not quite a hundred percent right now, you know, type thing. And and like that, I think is is interesting and cool to see the the characters. You know, like you knew it was going to be his movie. Like he he was in the intro. You know, he basically you know was was the character that you were going to focus on, even though you know ghost inspector you know do show up 
and and they aid in the completion, you know, the the climax of the film. But it's not a case where like you know Yoda shows up out of nowhere and takes care of everything for him by the end of the movie. It's just like, oh, okay, great. Like Ichigo is the main character, and I mean, ostensibly he's the one who who takes out you know the bad guys and everything. So I, I, I thought that was kind of cool. I think I figured it out. I figured it out what happened. I am so manly and masculine. I didn't need to watch this movie to talk about it. <laughs> they were like, Tony, watch this movie. And I'm like, I don't need to. My heart tells me to, but my spirit says I could talk anyway. <laughs> maybe, maybe, kind of. Uh, okay, never mind. Hey, by the way, guys, I didn't watch the movie. <laughs> you, you know what? You know what Tony would know a bit about, or at least would, would know enough about to get excited about is. In, in some of the fight sequences, which I didn't bring up in the synopsis, was that there, there's like some other side story show that's going on with Kamen Rider Ghost. And basically some of the icons, like most of the icons are usually dead historical figures. So like, for example, yeah, yeah. Ron, my, my favorite icon is the Billy the Kid icon, because like he gets like this kind of cowboy hat and gets all these guns and everything and i'm like oh that's pretty sweet and you know basically like one of them's like you know alexander edison. graham bell or edison or whatever you know so you you've got all these different historical figures and then that's are, part are you of... are you going to bring up the uh Kamen Rider icons yeah yeah so so that's what i was going to say is at, at some point specter and ghost start using common rider icons and and one of the icons that ghost uses is the guy icon so like that was oh, a cool nice. moment for for, for me, at least, because I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. You know, like that, that I thought was kind of fun. It's almost like I should have watched this or something for the show. Um, <laughs> but we know you were watching you... My Little Pony, too. So, yeah. <laughs> um, sir, friendship is magic. Thank you very much. <laughs> what, what did you think about all the, the common Rider icons, Justin? Oh, I like those. Um, that was actually like a like a series of specials where they were like uh, acquiring those and using them. I watched some of them, but I kind of lost interest. Um, it, it was nice to see those uh, used, and it, it was nice to hear like the sound effects and music because like you totally get you know the the guy music and the sound effects and drive. And I especially like seeing Double again because I'm, I'm a huge fan of Double, and you know it was nice to see them like it was nice to see them like zip around in that little like you know wheel circle like drive because i really like drive but yeah those those were cool i, I kind of wish they would have used some more like high say riders like you know deno or fives or somebody but that's you know that's okay let's go back to the beginning first the earth cooled um then dinosaurs came but no uh <laughs> you were talking about the opening sequence where he, he he's in the uh, uh the the fight I, my friend scott rifen on dinner for geeks has pointed this out the movie uh Grand Canyon with uh, Kevin Klein and uh, Danny Glover opens with a wonderful, <laughs> a wonderful sequence. And he said, the problem is, is once you get down to that opening sequence, the rest of the movie is just downhill. And that's because yeah. it's, it's so strong of an opening. You, you just like, you know, you don't, you don't, you worry it can't live up to that level. And unfortunately that's what I sort of felt there is because when I was done, I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. And I'm like, I'm going to be disappointed for the rest of this movie, aren't I? Um, but it, it was it was a strong opening. I would I would love to have the film should open with the year before him coming to Thailand, and and let's do you know 45 minutes of him 
beating the crap out of these drug lords or whatever, and then getting a message and then heading back. And then we had the last, you know, 45 minutes take place uh, back in Japan. You know, you know, I, I wanted to see him in action. And he is, he, he is, a, he is very charismatic um, as an actor. He, del- he delivers his lines. Amazingly, for some people who, I don't know if people understand this, even if you don't speak the language, you can always tell certain actors, they hit those lines and they hit them just right. Yeah. And he, yeah. And he sometimes he just like, he start, he, he, he'll be talking and then he'll, he'll slow his voice down and he'll punctuate, dun, 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 you know, when he's talking. And you're just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Me and Derek, uh, uh, we did a show versus Heisei. And like when Ichigo shows up, you know, he's not even in his outfit. He's like, just, you know, Ichigo. And just by like, as soon as he shows up, you're like, oh shit. You know, it's like, this it just got real. real. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only other thing uh, I, uh, and again, I don't know how much of the original uh, 73 camaraderie you guys watched, but um, uh, Hongo is not just, a you know a, a kick-ass kind of guy he is a uh, a chemist on the verge of making some kind of nobel winning discoveries while at the same time is a nationally renowned uh championship motocross biker and he has an iq supposedly of like 600 and that's how he gets selected to by shocker to be be uh, transformed into a cyborg yeah. You know how you said, you know how you said, like, and everything was downhill after that. Like, that's that's now apparently your your requirements are to be metrosexual, have like nice lips and like good hair or whatever. And it's like, what happened to the high IQ and the the badassery and the the Nobel Prize winning mind and all that good stuff? But and um, again, and it comes down to writing because I'll say because uh, and thanks to you, uh, Derek, it's all your fault. Gaim set the bar so high, uh, and Coda, I understand. Coda, Coda is a badass, and he's not a, he's not a genius or anything like that. But he's brave. He's courageous. He's not just a pretty boy. He wants to go fight. Yeah, right. And he, he, he you know, you can he and he's another good actor. Uh, you know, where he he can emote with a line or two and a, a sort of a wink in the eye, and you know, you you get it a hundred percent. And I, that's where I, I'm sort of. You're asking me how does this, how did I feel about certain things uh, between Gaim and the original Kamen Rider? You know, when I, I like, I listened to y'all's, uh, I watched and then I listened to y'all's episode on uh, uh, Gaim Drive. The the drive part of that to me, it wasn't horrible, but it was just mm. very fluffy. Okay. Uh, yeah, you, it just because Gaim is kind of a heavy thing. We got godlike beings here. Um, yeah, uh, I, I and, will say I will say this. I don't know if you if you want to pursue drive again. Like you know, just like me, Derek, and Justin just didn't get into Ghost. We just couldn't get into it. Like drive uh, at certain points. We there. There's an episode where we got into it. I, I don't know if you would be interested, but like one of our favorite characters is is the the bad guy Hart. He's mm-hmm. he's like amazing he's a great actor uh, i think he would really enjoy him however i do see what you're saying though because the first few episodes of drive i was like you i was like this is really lighthearted, really jokey and really comedy and stuff 
But, um, I mean, if you do want to give it a chance, that is up to you. But it, it does get more serious like God. There, there are definitely some heavier overtones that they get into. So, And like I said, nothing to take away from it. I mean, these, these are, this is Saturday morning kitty fair. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so when you do hit something like Gaim, which just is a step above, I have no problem. Like I said, uh, Ghost and, and uh, Spectre, I, in all the fight sequences, basically whenever they're with Hongo or they are actually in their Kamen suits, they, they do themselves well. It's just when you have to go back and listen to the girls complain, and I mean all the girls, um, just the one, not the ones dressed like girls. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it, you sort of go, uh, but you know, you, you have to think of it that you know this is written for, you know, twelve year olds or something like that. You know, boys and girls. Yeah, it, you know. For for Japan, this is a tween show. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it you you can't you sort of can see it. Uh, I mean, I I sort of feel that way sometimes when um when uh in the original series when they focus on. Uh, Oh, I can't remember the little kid's name. Yeah, they, they, there was there was there was a little kid that they, you know, every now and then he was the center of the attention, and they would revolve the story around him, and and you're like, okay, well, yeah, they have to do that because it's a kids show. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think our, our our friend Professor Smooth likes to always kind of point out to us when we get a little too into these things. He's like, look, these shows are like you're not the target audience. Like you're, you know, you're an American. And you're like, you know, between your like 20s and 40s or whatever. Like, you're not the target audience. The target audience is like Japanese boys ages like 5 to 12. Right. Like, that's the target yeah. audience. So, like, any any problems you have, it's like, yeah, okay, you can like argue and say like, well, this doesn't make sense. But, you know, it's like, ultimately, it's it's a kid's show and, and it's for fun. And, like, you're, you're not the target audience. I'm like, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. But we have problems with the story. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I'll say this. Probably the worst thing about this uh, film is that at a couple of times, more than once, not every time, but a few times throughout it, it feels like an after-school special. There's, you know, there's the... A moral. Yeah, it's like, let's browbeat this, you know, you shouldn't abandon children. You know, you should believe in humanity, <laughs> that kind of thing, you know. It's like, uh, I get that. It, yeah. but it, and if you said it once, it'd been fine and move on, but... There's a couple of scenes that they repeat the same thing about three or four times. Um, again, I and I think this just goes to the writing. Not, not. I think all the actors acquit themselves well in it. I think the overall uh, plot is engaging and moving. And I actually loved uh, the Nouveau uh, Shocker. I thought that was absolutely great because it, you know, old Shockers is stupid because they want to just take over the world for the sake of being in charge. We're going to take over the economy so we can run everything that way. And you're like, well, that's a very post-90s kind of way of looking at the world. Yeah, well, for a good show. I, I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's pretty timely, too. I mean, I, I feel like this is very of its time. I mean, going back to the whole Takashi Hongo being of a certain generation, you know, you've also got Shocker being of a certain generation, whereas Neo Shocker or Nova Shocker, you know, is, is basically again kind of like this post-millennial thing. It's like we're gonna we're gonna get on social media and we're gonna like you know we're gonna make the country's rulers do what we want, you know, like that kind of thing. And it, it sort of ties into that whole notion of 
maybe what a lot of you know young people believe like that these these corporations are the ones running your lives and stuff like that and they sort of they you know in in a pretty simplistic way they make those characters the the villains and everything and and you know, it's kind of interesting, at least in terms of like, you know, the, these are new characters that you've never seen before. But it's like, what what is a Nova Shocker combat man <laughs> other than, you know, what people constantly talk about? It's like you've got, say, the original Stormtrooper and then you've got the Stormtrooper in The Force Awakens. And what's the first thing everybody says is it's the, you know, the iPod Apple Store Stormtrooper. <laughs> and it's kind of like you kind of feel like the same way where it's like, oh, well, the the nova shocker combat man is just a little more shinier a little more spruced up you know it's like the latest model and it's like what what do kids always, and, and what do kids always get into it's always oh what's the next new phone like what's the next new app or the new thing what's the next new shiny car or bobble you know that so i can say hey i've got this new thing that's better than your old thing and and so there is again that whole generational gap whether it's between, you know, Mayu and Takashi or, you know, Shocker and Nova Shocker. I, I, I will say, you know, given my predilection for, uh, you know, Kamen Rider Marika, you know, and everything, you know, Minato in Kamen Rider Gaim, I mean, Igla, you know, was like this little haughty fencing executive lady. And like, she didn't even really <laughs> morph into like an ugly looking monster or anything. But I thought she was pretty cool, you know, that she just would go to town did, on guys. And did, did you think that was deliberately to try and, and, and bring audience members? From... Well, I, I think it was because that's that's now Nagasawa. And she's best known as Nanami Nono, Hurricane Blue in Hurricane Jer. So okay. I, I kind of feel like she yeah. was hired to kind of like be the eye candy. It's like you, you don't hire her and then, you know, give her just like five minutes of screen time. And then she's like a suit for like, you know, 20 minutes or something. But like, I, I, I really, <laughs> but like, I, I kind of wish she had had more to do, but like, I, I you know, I, I like the actress and like, she's been in other common writer stuff too. Like she, she had a small role in common writer double as like a magician girl. I think her name was Lily. And she was in the Kamen Rider Forze movie. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that was deliberate that we never see her, like, turn into any kind of, like, you know, gloop-gloop monster. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the way they, they set those characters up, that trio, you know, it was kind of cool because you had Volga, who's, like, the leader. He's the head of the corporation. But then he also turns into this evil cyborg wolf, you know, when, when he needs to. And then the other guy was kind of like this nemesis enforcer-looking muscle dude you know I mean, he, was, he was basically like i mean he should be like head of security but i guess he's he's part of their trump bear i feel like you know? america i get that reference yeah yeah so well i mean he's bald he and then when he morphs into the monster he's got like these wings and and it's like a bat guy yeah yeah so i mean so you know he's got to be bad he's he's a bat guy so yeah yeah and i mean you know the, those characters I, I, you know, I, I know I was trying to do research because you could tell like, oh, OK, these are the new characters and this is the first time they've appeared in this film. But then when you when you go back to like the original shocker stuff, like we've mentioned in the synopsis, you've got Ambassador Hell, who's like basically like an OG shocker, big bad, you know, and I was telling the guys I was trying to do some due diligence and watch you know, a few episodes of V3 where he originally shows up with all these resurrected generals. And I mean, it seems like his MO 
is to basically kind of get killed by the common rider heroes but then it seems like invariably in you know some of these movies he is resurrected and brought back as kind of a familiar looking big bad because i mean he basically you know you know what's funny it's kind of like he's kind of like dr bong but like the japanese dr bong or something <laughs> like that because he's got this kind of like mushroom thing on his head or whatever i mean he he obviously has a very specific look and then he's got like this whip and obviously since the special effects are so much better i mean if you if you look at you know this is not to decry any of the original shows but if you look at the original shows yeah. He has a whip, and when he whips somebody, they're like, "Ow!" and you know, their their face is bloody or whatever. You know, it's it's serious business. But in this, it's like the CGI whip, where it's like, "I've got a whip, and I'm flinging you around the sun and crashing you on the ground," and like it's 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 a bit more kind of epic and larger than life than it was maybe that they had than they had the budget to do in like say the original tv shows and everything so i, I thought that was kind of cool and and apparently he you know in, in some of the movies i watch he straight up transforms into this snake monster called garaganda and like in this it's like they just kind of do it as like a a face change you know like he kind of puts his hand across his face and then he well, well he's he, very old yeah. he doesn't have the ability to do the whole change <laughs> Just the face. Guys, guys, I just can't snake today. I just can't snake all the way. Give me a minute. He's like, the last time I snaked in the Decade movie, they blew my ass up. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to risk it, you know? So on, on this show, I'm kind of known as the Heisei guy. As far as Toku, I, I really got into Kamen Rider during the Heisei era. But the only uh, show writer that I really liked was uh, Black RX. And, you know, that was that was my jam. But uh, I was not a huge show guy. I know Justin loves Amazon, and I know Derek has watched a few show like you know episodes of uh, this and that. And obviously, uh, you know, Ron, you 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 grew up with you know some of the show stuff. Um, when we were talking about generational gaps, we were talking a lot about like you guys were talking a lot about the bad guys. Did did you appreciate them kind of making them look a little more Heisei? Not a lot. I mean, he still looks like you know Ichigo. He still looks like Common uh, Rider One. Or did that kind of make you grumpy? Were you like, ah, that's too hasty. Oh, no, no. He looks too much, you know, like Ghost and Inspector. Or were you just on board with it? Because like Derek said, the actor's obviously gotten older. We have to hide the paunch, you know. We're, we're, you know, making him still seem badass, but giving him a more powered-up form. Or would you rather him just kind of stay in, like, the leather and spandex? Look at the cod piece on that guy. Um <laughs> No, I look. I I looked at it as uh, you know. Uh, over time, you get better. You know, uh, you 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 upgrade your armor, and I mean now it looks like armor. It looks like he can take a a hit, as opposed to you know being in a nylon uh, bodysuit. But I I I had no problem with the uh, the outfit, uh, unlike uh, the uh, motorcycle. I did have issues with, but that's just me. Oh, what was it about uh, motorcycle that made you grumpy? Well, he should have gone in. It should have been a really nice motorcycle, and you know he got on it, and then when he transformed, it transformed because that's okay. the way it is. Yeah, so obviously they did. It's like, no, we can't afford two motorcycles for this film. Let's <laughs> <So laughs> just put the money in the one. Okay. Um. What about what about you and uh, Justin Derek? Did did you guys like the uh, the updated like you know? 
a little bit more Heisei look of uh, Ichigo? I, I think it was fine. I don't. I don't really have much of a problem with it. I I understand aesthetically why they did it. I mean, you know, the the only thing I'd say is funny is there there is that weird disparity where you know you 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 have to literally suspend your disbelief. I mean, my my belief is that he he looks great for seventy, but he's pushing seventy, and obviously the suit was specifically designed to sort of maybe cover that up you know type thing and like so when you look at his torso it's like he's this big massive butch looking dude and then you know they've got this little pack of abs there where it's like when you know when any you know cosplayer goes and they're like you know they've eaten like 40 million twinkies but then they've got a a six pack of abs too you know so there's that (laughs) aspect to it where it cracks me up you know, but other than kind of that, like, uh, uh, John, you know, John Wesley Shippen is a uh, his uh, yeah, yeah, Jay I mean, Garrett costume. Yeah, you know, it's just like one of those things where it's like, okay, look, I get it. I'm just, I'm just gonna kind of try to, you know, look, look that aside and appreciate what it is for what it's worth. This is this is like William <laughs> Shatner coming back to play Captain Kirk. This is like Harrison Ford coming back to play you know, Han Solo, so, you know, basically, it's like, oh, this is the, you know, original Kamen Rider, so, like, as far as the the suit itself, I mean, it looks good, it looks, I mean, it's it's a modern, kind of, you know, tweaking update of the original, you know, design, and and I'm perfectly fine with it. Yeah, as for me, like, I I like it, I, you know, I get it, you know, you want to make the actor look good, you want to sell some toys, and on that note, I'll just say, like, I, I like this suit so much. I did pre-order the SH Fig Yards from Hobby Link Japan. Nice. I do, like, I do really like the original suit. Or I guess I should say, like, his previous suit. Because, like, Ichigo's actually had, like, a couple different suits. Like, and, you know, sometimes it'll be like, oh, we changed his antenna. Oh, we, like, we changed the, the color of the suit. It's, like, a different tone of green now. Like, I, I really like the, you know, I guess the refined suit that we all know and love. And, like, I mean... It's kind of like, well, you know, in-universe, like, that original form survived a nuclear blast, so, like, why does he need all this armor? Like, that's that's my, like, you know, headcanon. I'm like, why does he need it now? Like, it just comes out of nowhere. But, like, I mean, I mean, I get it. He was also 30 back then, and he's like, yeah, 70 now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, I I get it. Like, you need to, like, do all those things, but it's like, oh, okay. I was going to say, the only problem I have with the suit is now when he turns his head, you, you can't see his neck. Yeah, I wouldn't know about that because I, I didn't see the movie. I'm like, uh, I'm like, that's not a problem with this. <laughs> 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 I, I always tell me in the old show when they would do a back shot of him and he leans his head forward and you can see the uh, the hairs on the back of his neck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just because they, they, for some reason, that's why they put the neckerchief on him. Oh. The scar. I, yeah. My favorite thing. Oh, yeah. I think my favorite thing from the original series is, like, whenever you have, like, Ichigo and Nico in an action scene, and you can see that, like, it's, they're, like, you can tell they're, like, they're filming in a hurry or something, because, like, when the suit actor rises up, you can see, like, the bottom half of his, like, mask, like, very loose, it's kind of flopping about, and you can kind of see the guy inside, I'm like, oh, like, you, you didn't have time to, like, run and fix it, like, you guys must have been, like, trying to finish your shot, yeah, they were only shooting shooting a hundred episodes a year there. So, uh, <laughs> I cut you off no, the first time I won't cut you off again. Oh, that's okay. It's, it's not like you got much to say, right? Uh, no, no, I don't. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, now you've made me laugh. I forgot what I was going to say. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, this is just more of a question for all, again, all three of you guys, as far as the show era. Obviously, Ichigo is the, the foregone conclusion for a revival movie, as far as, like, you know, just pay homage to this guy. But like I said, Justin likes Amazon a lot. Is there another show writer you would not mind seeing get their own movie just to give them a little bit of shine, like, you know, Skyrider or something like that? I mean, for me, like, I I really like V3. Like, I probably like V3 a little bit more than Amazon, which, you know, as as for Amazon, you know, they're not not a revival, but we do have the new, like, Kamen Rider Amazon's series, which, by the way, we've discussed on another episode of Toku Thursdays. If you haven't listened, check it out. But like I, I really like V three and any anytime there's like any kind of like writer team up, whether it's like, you know, all all the OG writers are like appearing on the last couple episodes of like Common Rider Stronger or they're helping like RX in the last few episodes of RX, like I'm always like I'm like, All right, there's Ichigo, there's Amazon, like there's there's X. I'm like, where's V three at? I'm like, all right, like there's V three, like I, and me and Derek were talking about this earlier. We were talking about like Common Rider decayed, and he kind of like makes us grumpy because he's so like you know overpowered, and you know he's like he's so nineties, he can beat everyone, like he can beat like three Common Riders at one time, and I was I was he's complaining, a little OP, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, and, I, I was and, and in case anybody was wondering who my metro metrosexual comments were directed at, it's Common Rider decayed, so, but yeah, I was like you. You can't tell me that like Decade can beat V3 and Black. I'm like, come on, man! Like that's too much. You went too far. I I, I mean I think the the stuff that just based on my personal experience, like I'd probably just th- this was awesome because you know he's the first common writer and they like they treat him with a sense of epicness and reverence and all that stuff. And even like you said, Tony, when, when you saw him show up in say, Heisei versus Showa, you know, there was that thing of, Whoa, it's him. You know, like it was, it was kind of a big deal. Now I'm not really, I mean, you know, obviously like I I enjoy talking about the stuff with you guys, but I I don't know what the status of certain actors are. So I don't know how plausible it is, you know, but I mean, I would, I would echo, you know, Justin's sentiment that it would be fun to see uh, a film, you know, with V3. But the other thing that I would think would would be kind of cool, and and maybe this is just based on the fact that, you know, we had our Master Rider, you know, adaption in the States. Like, maybe it would just be kind of cool to see a movie where a newer, you know, whether it was, you know, Kool-Aid video game EX guy or whoever it is, you know, team up with Kamen Rider Black rx you know like like because i think i think those characters like when i see those guys it's kind of like when luke jack and eddie always kind of goes all fanboy when he's like oh look it's count dragon you know what i mean like you you sort of have that instant recognition and and those kind of fun familiar moments and and obviously that's a little more american centric than japanese centric as far as the nostalgia process goes but i i think uh if if i was going to point a finger at any common writers from like an original era. I mean, I guess technically speaking, you know, Black RX maybe kind of kicked off the the Heisei era. The middle, so yeah, you know what I mean. Middle, so yeah. so I know I know I'm kind of teetering there, and I'm not I'm kind of you know crossing the streams and stuff. But I think <laughs> they, they I was, go both ways. Gonna... Some people say some people say Black RX. Some people say Agito. Some people say Agito started the Heisei era. So yeah, I mean, 
I've seen arguments for both, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think if I was going to point a finger at anybody, I would either agree with Justin on V3 or maybe point a finger at Black RX as far as that goes. It, 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 it was hard to say because, yeah, well, I've now got my my, my Honda. You know, I was like, yeah, this, this uh, because really, he only got 10 episodes until he came back halfway through the series um on that first common rider he, he hurt himself and they replaced him with uh common rider 2 and so you know he, he he only had a short arc and then nate comes back later on and unfortunately like we talked earlier uh most of those haven't been uh fan subs so <laughs> it's it's interesting to watch but you don't really get a lot out of it uh v3 is again a fan favorite i mean uh really great uh costume and it was a good series, so I would not be opposed to seeing a a uh, anniversary film for that. Um, cool. Though I, I will also point out um, one of my favorite parts of uh, V three was Rider Man, the subplot that ran through there, and uh, it, it, and he is an interesting character. He was a villain. He was a good guy. Um, he had a, a great story arc and. Um, then they you know, realized, well, he's such a great character. We'll just keep bringing him back from the dead for being the only, you know, quote unquote, human writer at the time. You know, he seemed to be able to survive a lot better than some people. I don't know. Uh, again, you know what? If you can come up with a good story and they, they do it well, I'll, I'll watch any of it. Well, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Rider Man, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Ron. But uh, like You're he, wrong. he was the yeah, I'm wrong. I, I probably am. <laughs> uh, Justin tells me that all the time. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rider Man is like the common writer who has a he has a full face mask, but unlike the other ones who like look more bug oriented or maybe have some kind of face, um, he has a human face. Like it's, it's the cutout beneath his nose, he has like a human mouth, right? Right. He's it's it's a half mask. It's a, it's a more like a helmet. Like a motorcycle helmet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, 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 he's, he's more. He's probably the most human of all the riders. You know, good well, or that, bad. And that, and that was yeah. part of the story because he is actually human. Which yeah, not you know, a, the not rest are cyborg. <laughs> but yeah, that, cool. but yeah. Again, you know, I any of that stuff. If they come up with a good story and they want to do it, I will be glad to see it. Uh, and look, it's they're celebrating the 45th anniversary. Just keep this well into the 50th anniversary. Do two a year. So I, I, I feel like we need to discuss this part of the film because I think it was something that was preying on my mind as I was watching it. And I'll just preface this by saying I did not watch any of the big trailers for this film before we watched it. I kind of went into it completely cold and blind. So when Hongo gets slammed against the wall from that aftershock, basically when Volga becomes like, I don't know, like mega Alexander the Great or whatever wolf mode, you know, and, and, and has all this paraphernalia, you know, on his person in the wolf mode. And then he gets slammed against the wall and they're like, wake up, wake up. And he doesn't wake up. It was kind of like, oh, shit. I was like, I, is that is that how he dies? Like, is that how they kill him? Like, and I thought, no, man, that's that's way too easy. Like, he can't die like that. And then, you know, as the film goes on, I'm like, well, shit, they put him on a Darth Vader pyre. You know, like, they're going to burn him. Like, 
but they are burning him. Like, oh no, like maybe, maybe he really is dead. And so I was kind of not sure. And then of course, there's this epic ass moment where, you know, it's like molten flame and, and, and ambers and everything. It, it just explodes and he's in the suit. And I mean, th that probably was like the best fucking thing, the best scene <laughs> in the entire movie where you just had these like chills and you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, this is, this is fucking badass. Like this is the greatest thing I've ever fucking seen, you know? And it's like this great resurrection scene. And you know, the, the girl Mayu is crying and calling out for him and everything. And you think like, oh, it doesn't normally work that way in real life, but it'd be awesome if it did. And <laughs> you just like, you know, cry and, and kind of plead a little bit, and then somebody erupts into a fiery explosion and comes back in, like, a super cool suit, and everything's awesome. But I, I guess my question would be, because I, I know, I think Justin did see the some of the preview trailers and stuff that I think kind of spoiled this moment, but I, I'm kind of curious, like, what your thoughts were, both yourself and Ron, Justin, on on that moment of the film. Like, did you did you think he was actually dead, or did you kind of, like, figure, like, oh, there's no way, there's no way, like, they're going to bring him back? <laughs> no, I figured, he, I figured he was dead, and that was going to be the total end of the movie. Hey, Derek, watch a little film called E.T., <laughs> I will one up you and ask you to watch Mac and Me. Uh, no, I mean I kind of went I kind of yeah, yeah. yeah. went back and forth because I, I, I was wondering if it was supposed to be like one of those ironic things where like you know how sometimes they they have those moments in film where you know it's like the way say like Leonardo DiCaprio gets taken out in The Departed where you just you know you totally don't see it coming and it's this like blindsidingly like pointless death you know and I was just like is that I was like, is that how they're going to play this? And then the more they kept cutting back to the funeral pyre, I was kind of like, oh, there's no way. Like, obviously, they're dragging this out way too long. Like, he's well, yeah, he's well, going to come the, back. The, the, you've got the funeral pyre burning for the, about six hours, uh, and he still <laughs> hasn't been consumed. And at the same time, uh, Ghost and Spe uh, Spectre are just getting their butts handed to them over and over. They can't even get close. They they keep you know getting smacked down. And, you, and, and I was like, my whole thing was, what is it? What's going to be the catalyst? What's the thing? What's the, you know, uh, the reason for this? You know, he's going to come back. What is the inciting what's, moment? What's the, what's the payoff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, what, you know, and, you know, I want to say, thank God they didn't go with love brought me back. Because um, <laughs> that always just irks me to no end. Um I would prefer. <laughs> I would, but I, I, they didn't go as far as I would have gone, which was he gets up and looks at it and goes, "I'm a cyborg. I can't die." You know, <laughs> half robot, um, you assholes. <laughs> that's right. My heart gave out, so it just my the rest of my body built a mechanical heart. Now, you know, I'm, I'm never gonna die. I'm becoming more of a machine. You know, which is nothing the wrong most, with being a machine. Okay, the most manly machine in the world. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I, you, but I love the, you know call, I, love the, I, I, call it, I call it the second tier character bring back that they did it with Ichigo because there's so much uh, like I haven't seen this movie, but the way you guys describe it from movies I've seen in the past, there's always that moment where there's a second tier character who dies and he's cool and you like him and you're like, oh man, he's dead. And then for some reason, in the final act of the movie, even if he doesn't save the day as far as like being the bad guy. He'll just knock down the door of where the action hero is, 
with like a fucking chain con- chain gun and just like mow everybody down. He's like, I got you. And he's like, you're alive. <laughs> Comrade Baron. Huh. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, we're going to do a movie. And, at, and at some point at the end of the thing, Comrade Baron will show up and, 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 and kick a bunch of ass and, and everyone will be cheering. Not that it really makes any difference because he's dead. But, yeah, <laughs> but that say so he's dead, so him and Ghost can do a movie together. They they oh, they can go. they can all look for the icons together. <laughs> so so this, I, so this sequence I, this 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 epic flame sequence was actually <laughs> it's not a flaming sequence. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just keep imagining Kaito being like, "I have a new icon, Susan B. Anthony. What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> Second we God damn it! <laughs> Don't talk shit about Second Julia. <laughs> they both got coins. Come on. Uh, it's more than you got, right? More than I got. <laughs> I didn't even see the damn movie we're, we're talking about tonight. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, no, I the the, the the funeral fire scene, not the flaming scene, <laughs> which is early in the film. Um, I love it that it, it, you know, first of all, you know, she's begging him to come back to her and, you know, and finally she almost gives up hope and then they, 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 uh, they center frame the, the, uh, Camarita belt and the little door pops open and the turbine starts whirling up. Uh, that's awesome. That's just plain awesome. And it starts sucking the flames in. Because, you know, it's a turbine. It sucks air. And there's all this flame in the air. So it sucks it in. <laughs> but um, what I thought was the best is, of course, he can't just get up and walk out of the fire. The whole funeral pyre has to explode into millions of shattering pieces of burning wood. And, uh, and of course, that poor girl gets beaten <laughs> over the head with all this fiery wood hitting her. <laughs> um, and well, I just, you know, I, I, think, I think that's part of the whole generational gap. It's like that. <laughs> Like that's what you get for for being a selfish little fucking brat this whole time. But yeah, it's, it's almost it's almost like it dawns on her literally because it explodes in her face, and it's like I've had a realization. It only took like uh, my my uh, surrogate yeah. grandfather really? dying and getting resurrected in an explosion of flame that like it showers him like to the with, face with, to realize with, I've been wrong. Yeah. So. Uh, and I got a question: How many of y'all saw the Phoenix? It was pretty awesome, like the way it that was. It, it was yeah. that was a nice little CGI in there. It kind of it kind of <laughs> made me like my friends used to have a saying when we when we saw something on on a program and you know it was like, dude, look, like that scene with Daredevil when he climbs up the railing, man. They were like Daredevil out Spider Man, Spider Man, and I felt like in that scene, it's like Common Rider Ichigo like out Phoenix like phoenix and the fucking phoenix saga like that's kind of how cool it was so that, yeah. that was my favorite scene uh you know it's you know listeners can't see but that 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 is my avatar right now like i really like that scene but just to like shift gears for a minute my my second favorite scene we haven't discussed my second favorite scene is we cut to a bar where we see an over shocker <laughs> guy and a shocker guy drinking and they're having this argument 
and the argument is just in the usual shocker thing where they go e, and it's just this <laughs> argument where they go e, 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 and they break up into a fight like that. Would be like, man, like I, I was laughing at that man. That was great, and it's just totally random too. It's like cut to a bar scene in, cut to somewhere else. I was like, that was totally random, but I loved it. It was like total like like Three Stooges like shocker combat men style, pretty much, right? Yeah, I mean you got you got to think about this. Like I said, I didn't see the movie, but like. You gotta wonder, like, you know, all these, like, fucking, like, you know, uh, grunts who, who put on these, like, spandex costumes or, you know, sometimes they'll be looking up to get some kind of armor. Like, what the fuck are they doing when they're not fighting? Obviously, they're, they're, they're like me. They're in a bar drinking and arguing. <laughs> Actually, they're all dental hygienists. Uh, <laughs> that's their day job. <laughs> they're accountants, you know, you know. <laughs> You know, if Number you were an accountant, you, you'd think you think you'd think putting on a bodysuit and 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 getting your butt kicked probably is kind of fun. It's my weekend job. It's what I do for kicks. <laughs> it's like it's like all those guys at at Neo Shocker that were voraciously applauding when they announced like their master plan to take over the world's economy. Where the, you know there's those extras that are just like, oh man, this is the best. Like we love you guys. Like and and we're gonna get a cut of this too, aren't we? And I kind of went, I don't know, but all right. Like you guys keep thinking that. I mean, dude, <laughs> this is the best things I've all week. <laughs> am I gonna make burgers for like the rest of my life, or am I gonna fight common riders? I think I know where I'm going. Do we well, want to? You know, the great thing is. If you become a Shocker uh, troop member, there's always a chance for uh, promotion up to Cyborg Shocker uh, a Monster. Yeah, sure, so right? is that to look forward yeah, to? Yeah. I was like, based on your comment about the dental hygienists, obviously their dental <laughs> and medical must be awesome as well. So just another reason to, to sign up with Nova Shocker. You know, the irony is that if, 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 if you live there's a pension, <laughs> There's a this full funeral uh, package that you get if you die in the <laughs> line of duty, except for the fact that if you've ever seen a shocker member get killed, they turn into jelly and disappear. That that was a nice like touch, like a nice little callback to the original series where like anytime someone dies, they like turn into like soap bubbles. I like that. I thought that was a good <laughs> touch too. Uh, did you also notice that the the shocker army they meet in a cave? But the Nouveau Shocker meets in a nice business um, auditorium. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's like it's like at least we're not meeting in a cave anymore, guys. This is much better. I I kind of wondered. I know we talked about like maybe in the inciting incident to bring back Common Rider Ichigo, but I I think before I thought him even you know foe dying was even a possibility. Like I kind of wondered and sort of was afraid for Mayu as well, like thinking like, oh, well, she's the the goal of these these shocker agents to bring back Ambassador Hell, you know? So I, I kind of wondered if she was going to die and become like an inciting incident because there, there was that point where she's like, you've got to give up fighting. And he's like, okay. And I, I wondered if maybe her dying was going to be the incident. It's like, well, I promised you, but since you're dead... Like, and now I'm angry, like, fuck this shit, I'll go out and kick ass or whatever. Like, I kind of was wondering if that was going to be one of the, the the things that happened in this film. But, I mean, I guess luckily, you know, for, for Ichigo and Mayu, like, that, that does not happen, you know? So I was like, oh, okay, you know, like, whew, we dodged a, a bullet there. Like, you know, she does get abducted, you know, they do 
stick the Alexander the Great icon on her, but luckily, like, you know, she does she not. She pops out. Yeah, she, she doesn't die, so. You know, if, yeah, if this was a, if this was a, a British TV show, oh, she would have been dead, everyone else would have been dead, and, and, and there would have been no happy ending of any sort. So, yeah, it's just, this is a Japanese kids show. Everyone lives, and everyone learns a lesson. The, the lesson that, that Takashi Hongo wanted to impart to all the class was that life is important, in case you didn't know. <laughs> or that life, all life is connected. It is connected. Well, she she even she well see that that's her growth as a character because Mayu was part of that whole post millennial whatever you want to call them generation. And when Takashi comes in to tell them these things, like these important sage lessons from an older generation, they're all busy kind of either laughing him off or sort of paying attention to their smartphones or doing something else. And and she actually loses it because she has a connection because this is her surrogate grandfather basically and and she's like why are you guys talking like pay attention to takashi he's trying to tell you something you know and it's just like <laughs> one of those things where you're like oh like you know that, that's part of her sort of arc and character growth in the in the film and everything i mean I, I i think all the people in this did a pretty good job i mean i think she was she she was cute when she needed to be when when takaru was kind of infatuated with her even though he was undercover you know as a as a student teacher or whatever in the beginning you know so she she served that purpose like to to kind of be a you know a cute semi love interest maybe for him but then you know when they got into the whole nitty gritty relationship with her and Takashi, you know, the, the drama played out and, you know, they could, you know, cry and, and hold hands and kind of deal with all these kind of angsty, post-traumatic, you know, estrangement issues and stuff like that. Although I, I do want to point out when power outages started happening because of what Nova Shocker was doing to the Japanese economy and infrastructure, like there's this moment where, you know, as part of their, you know, these multi-birthday celebrations i guess they're out at this like county fair and for whatever weird reason uh, maybe because you know takashi hongo is like built like a brick shit house and like he basically probably <laughs> as a cyborg like weighs like you know 600 pounds or whatever maybe he can't get on the ferris wheel without collapsing it with his manly manliness of awesome that's going to be my <laughs> rationalization why he didn't join her on the ferris wheel but she's up i on the, want to be whimsical <laughs> she, she she's up on the ferris wheel by herself and then what happens is when the power goes out the ferris wheel stops in midair and she's way up there and like i, I it did i that scene the whole like you know trust you know and like fall into somebody's arms or something scene like is taken to new heights because she's up atop this ferris wheel and he's just like jump i will catch you and i was just like what <laughs> she could die <laughs> i was like are you serious but I, I and then she jumps and he catches her and then they fall into the bushes together and i was just like oh okay i guess it did work but i i, I remember that was kind of funny um, this oh, you... is actually a question uh, that is uh, kind of something I, I've thought of in the past with the Heisei era. I don't know if it happened a lot in the Showa era. I, I think I saw some instances, because I've seen some Showa episodes, of different episodes of, of various common writers. But um, it seems in the Heisei era especially, there's always a female who is either A, a love interest, or B, 
going to be a love interest, but they don't really become that. That is, you know, the Sam and Diane thing. Will they? Won't they? And sometimes they won't they. Or it's uh, you know like Wizard, where it's like someone they care about, but they want to like be a guardian. They want to like like protect them. Is that like a show thing at all? Do they do it in the show era? I know, like you know, probably Common uh, Rider One probably didn't do that. He was too manly. Whoa, 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 whoa! Let the old man tell you how it used to be. <laughs> um, actually, okay. Uh, oh, oh, drop, drop some, drop some knowledge on me, sir. The way uh, the first Common Rider started off, uh, uh, Hongo uh, was betrayed by his mentor. And, of course, uh, Shocker now having the greatest living specimen, kills uh, Dr. whatever his name was. And Hondo, of course, has to seek revenge. But for whatever reason, uh, there's a formula or there's a device or something that he had that they want. They go after his daughter. So Hondo has to go, at, go and protect her. But he can't let her know that he's a cyborg. Because he hasn't learned how to control his his strength yet, I mean, he could literally you know, try and hug her and crush her. So the Superman Lois Lane thing, yeah, yeah. So he, so he, he, he's in love with her, and she's in love with him, but he can't touch her. Literally, he's he he's arms away, and she can't understand it. And and for the first ten episodes, that's the love interest, and it's and it's it's one of those things that at the end of every episode. He's literally driving off going, I just want to hold her hand and I can't because I'm a monster. Uh, so, yeah, that, that there's a lot of that. And, of course, uh, when he goes away and they, uh, they bring in his follow-up, uh, they bring in a gaggle of uh, beauties. So because yeah. he's a Playboy <laughs> photographer. Also on Common Rider X, like, let, let me just tell you how, like, the first episode, like, kind of ends. So Common Rider X... <laughs> Dude gets like riddled with bullets. His father is attacked. His father dies, like turning him into a cyborg. And his fiance betrays him to the bad guys. And that's how the first episode ends, basically. Oh, that's wow, like, that sounds next... just like my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but that's that's not it. This this uh, girlfriend, his fiance, her name Ryoko. She has a twin sister. Okay, and then he sent he sends the next like eight or nine episodes like trying to track down his fiance, and he's also like dealing with like her her twin who is like who is helping him, but she's also kind of shady. But uh, but yeah, there's there's not as like what you were saying, Tony. There are love interests, but it's not as like overt and mushy, I guess, as uh, Heisei stuff. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's more it's, tragic. It's a lot yeah. more hands-off. It's a lot more unrequited love. Yeah. Well, they, they seem to have all that, you know, pathos going on. I mean, you, you might be able to equate it to something like, you know, Rogue in X-Men because of her, her powers, her mutant gift. Like, you know, she can't, you know, touch people or, or kiss people without causing them great harm. And it's the same thing with... Takashi like, like, Kondo, Kondo in, the, in, the, in, the, in the beginning because he, yeah, he you know, was like, like, the girl in his arms and she's like, kiss me. And he's like, I can't. There's more people to fight, you know? Like well, well, not even just that. If he, if he takes her in his arms, he might bruise her arms or break her arm. You know what I mean? It's like in the throes of... Like, you don't have to fight. 
in, in the throes of Keller, yeah. yeah, in the throes of fashion, you know, it's like his cyborg penis may do something, <laughs> you know, unfathomable, you know, like so it's like you can't can't risk that, you know. So he's got a he's got right, kind of that that, that 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 implies that she she has a fathom, but right right. <laughs> But uh, so, so yeah, it, it, it's more like yeah, tragic love instead of it's like, a tragic like love. Said, and, and of course, that's that's part of, that's part of the 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 common writer mythos is you know with great power comes great responsibility. You have to you distance yourself from the people you love, or you know, shocker or whatever evil army will you know track them down and kill them. That's like with great writer comes amazing blue balls. <laughs> <laughs> Well, especially from riding those little motorcycles. Oh, <laughs> Justin, did you want to touch my girlfriend? Justin, <laughs> did you want to go into any of the the Showa era bad guys that we see in this film? Is like some of the the villains or cameos or anything? Is that something that you you did a little research on at all before we did this? Sure, uh, because they like they have to keep like reusing these suits because you know suit you know suits don't grow in trees they ain't cheap. But uh, for uh, for Shocker, the Poison Lizard Man, he first appeared in a uh, Common Rider episode number fifty eight. Like I thought he kind of had a look like the the Lophosaurus from Jurassic Park. You know the one that's like and then like oh, yeah. flaps up with the frills and stuff. He, he has that same kind of like frilly look and everything. Uh, Shino Manneking first appeared in Kamen Rider episode number 72. Gaini Komolo first appeared in Kamen Rider episode number 78. And, you know, a- as we mentioned previously, like, unfortunately, none of these episodes have been subtitled. So I, I haven't seen any of these episodes. But like like I said, these suits have been reused in several movies. It's like anytime there's like a big battle scene and you have like, you know, Whoever it is, it's like Neo Shocker or Jail Shocker or, or whatever. Uh, they they have to like fill this uh, battle scene out with suits. So a lot of times you'll see like the same suits, you know, being used over so and over and over. Like, like thirty years old. Yeah, I, I I noticed because I was trying to sort of follow the the life and times of Ambassador Hell. You know, like I said, I was watching the V three episodes. I also watched the All Riders versus a die shocker film it was a decade film that also had ambassador hell as one of the characters but i noticed that that suit that justin was just talking about the the genki komoru the one that's like the crab bat monster and it kind of has that weird green mutated face and everything like that suit was also in a cadre of you know, die shocker bad guys. So yeah, I, I think what Justin is saying is absolutely true. Like like you know, a waste not want not type thing with those with those uh, shockers. We really suits. use Justin on the uh, fucking uh, show versus Heisei because goddamn, there's a lot of suits they reuse for that. Well, it, it's funny because like there's Ambassador Hell and he's been resurrected countless times almost, but he has a brother. His brother is Ambassador Darkness, and his first appearance was in Birth of the Tenth, Common Riders All Together, which is the first appearance of Zed Cross. But he was also in uh, the Common Rider Tyson, the Show versus uh, Heisei movie. So, like, they've—I'm okay, sure they've reused the—they've reused the Ambassador Hell suit for Ambassador Darkness, and you know, just painted it. Yeah, a different vice, color. vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was he King Darkness also? something he knew. Oh, was he? As a friend. If you watch Heisei versus Showa, it will break your brain. There is so much shit going on in that movie. 
yeah, we we like were trying to I figure out who all these people were. I, I don't think I don't just, think oh. I would have known all the people in that film if Luke wasn't there. Yeah. So. Yeah, 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 I, I watched it. I watched, I watched it with both endings. Oh um, wow, yeah. Which, which ending did you like better? Do you like the <laughs> we're all friends or like we're kind of save friends. the flower? <laughs> yeah, he saved the flower, so he must be the a real car rider. I'm sorry. <laughs> You know, I just was waiting yeah. for someone to walk on set and slap them all. And I was like, <laughs> "That, come on, you guys couldn't come up with something better than this." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they, it, they, it's they, you uh, know that, that yeah, you mentioned they wear, their, they, they wear their heart on their sleeve is basically what it is. Yeah, it's good that you mentioned that that kind of notion because I think even even Takaru Tenkuchi has that moment with Takashi Hongo because when when they come to that log cabin. And he's asking for their help. Again, he reminds him. He's like, well, I gave you this assignment to find out why life is precious. Do you know yet? And he's kind of like, uh, uh. <laughs> you know, and then and then on top of that, you know, he, he further goes on to make a statement where he says, Takaru comes asking for help. And he's like, do you always lean on other people? Like, can't you? Can't you handle yeah, shit yeah. on your own? And 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 he <laughs> even be like, I'll do this on my own. Yeah. Well, because I, because he he makes the the note like it, it's it's a nod to like past Showa continuity. He says, "I have had many allies and many friends, but it wasn't like if they weren't around, I couldn't hang on my own." You know, like like I I am onto myself a, a force to be reckoned with. So, I mean, I, I think that's applicable to even even this film. Well, if you saw the scene where he's uh, trying to chop the firewood, so it pretty much tells you everything you need to know about him. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's like, that's one thing I'll give the show writers. It's like, even when I say I love the Heisei writers, as far as certain ones, there there's certain guys that I, I do have a uh, definite disparaging remark to the entire series, how they act, how they uh, conduct themselves. But the show writers, they, 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 I mean, this sounds so 80s. I'm sorry, I'm 40 years old. I grew up in the 80s. Deal with it. They're men. They're men. And a lot of the Heisei guys are boys who are trying to become men. But the, the show guys are already men. They're already established before they become writers. And when they become writers, they just become greater men, if that makes sense. Yes, I agree with you completely. There's no reason why Superman needs to be 24 years old, because that's not that's yeah. super, almost Superboy, you know. Uh, yeah. The, 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 you know, you want to do a story in the past, that's fine. I, I get that, but you know, there's not, oh, well, people, you know, 12 year olds can't relate to a, a 28 year old man. Why not? Why can they relate to a 22-year-old man any different? Yeah, I, I mean, when I was growing up, I mean, this sounds this sounds stupid. And I got older, I appreciated Robin. When I was an adult, because I was like, oh, yeah, he's Batman's sidekick. He does what he does. Uh, you know, Tim Drake, he's a great guy. But when I was a kid in the 80s, I hated Robin. Because I wanted to watch Batman. I don't care about Robin when I was a kid. And that was like, you know, a very juvenile aspect but as a kid, I wanted the more manly, more assertive, like, superhero guy. The guy who could take care of business. I didn't want to see the kid who had to grow up. Because I was already a kid. I was growing up. 
I knew I was fucked up, you know, because I was just a kid. <laughs> I knew I was going to fuck up. Why do I want to see that? I want to see the guy who's a badass. You know, I want to see Ichigo, you know, lay waste. As I get older, sure, see it. Like, like I said, I can grow into the Heisei era. And I think as an older person, I can get into the Heisei era because I understand being a kid back then. But, you know, like you said, this is geared toward kids. You want to see the badass. I think if they did a Kamen Rider show like Ichigo, where the guy was just grown up and he could handle his shit, I don't think it would be, like, a detriment. I don't think it would, like, take away from the story. I don't think people, the kids would go, like, I don't want this guy who can handle his shit and, like, kick ass and be awesome. Nobel Prize winner. You, uh, he's you gone. That, I'm like, no. You say that, Tony, but look at all the crap that Doctor Who got for casting an older person instead of going even younger. Yeah, so, true. Yeah. You know, oh, he's too old. No one likes that. Da, da, da. Well, yeah. Well, that, that's, I, I'll say. I do, I do notice those similarities because you've got a, a generational property that's been going on for a really long time because I, w- I was thinking about that not only when I was watching this, but when I was watching some of the other movies where you know, decades running around in a trench coat and you can't help but think of Doctor Who or whatever. And, like, there, there is that notion to it where, yeah, I mean, sometimes there there does seem to be that that blowback from, you know, casting somebody who, you know, is not the... I, I'm not going to call the Doctor Who guys metrosexual, but, you know, they, they you know, like Tony likes to say, they have the, the coiffed hairdos and, and, and the, the ladies, you know, dig Matt Smith and David Tennant and all that that good stuff, you know. So it's like it, they're, they're very know. pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These 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 pretty looking guys and everything. And and I I'd say the same holds true for for pretty much all the you know whatever you want to call them, like you know post Heisei, you know, or Heisei era type, you know, m- millennium writers or whatever you want to call them. You know, like there there's a lot of you know good looking dudes, and 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 some of them may come across as brave and manly or, or boys that eventually become men, like Tony says, by the end of it. But in, in a lot of cases, you know, the majority of them are just kind of boys. I'll put it this way. I, I you know, I, it doesn't matter what the age of the character is as long as the, it serves the story. And I yeah, think that's why yeah. Gaim worked really well because I don't think we had any problem believing they were just out of high school or you know, right in that area, right between, you know, school and adulthood. Well, and, well, and that, that story whole show served was about that. growing. Yeah. yeah. So, and I served it. But I'm having a heck of a time watching uh, Ultraman X. Because the main character looks like uh, he's 12 years old. I'll give that to Derek. He's the Ultraman guy. I don't know, Derek. I mean, I don't know if you like Ultraman I, X. Or I, I, don't, I don't know that it has anything to do with believing the age. I just think he's a, a gangly, gawkily looking... Dude, big old fucking, what do you call him? Like, uh, what's the guy? Alfred E. Newman ears? Like, like that's that's what I can't get over. I'm all man. Th- them are some big ears, Ultraman X. But yeah, I mean, other than that, like, but, yeah, was he, got, you, you let both car doors open on your uh, fucking uh, Prius. <laughs> I, I, I got, I got, you know, that that's basically all I got on Ultraman X. But I, is there anything else? I know we're we're kind of kind of meandering on to, to other alternative topics. So I'm wondering, have we have we exhausted everything we want to say about Common Rider Ichigo? Does anybody have any any maybe final thoughts? So maybe we can can wrap this up and and give the closing closing. I, uh, I, I have a statement. I have a final thought. Yeah. 
Okay, so we've had, we've had uh, uh, Conrad Ichigo, uh, Ichigo, and uh, now we need to have the sequel because I want to see him go around the world uh, kicking ass because that's what he does best. You know, I'll, let's give give him a series. I don't know if he wants to do a series. You know, do a twelve parter. You know, uh, you know, going from town to town, righting the wrongs that are being done, uh, and occasionally fighting, uh, you know, you know, big bug-eyed monsters or something. You know, or the wandering samurai type thing in Japanese culture. And of course, at the end of the episode, he has to leave the town, and he's walking away, and they play a lonely man theme. So we move on to the next one. But yeah, I think I think he he um, uh, acquits himself well in this film. Uh, I think some of the writing's a little weak, uh, but I think he his acting over it is good. And uh, I think if he's interested in doing it, they should find a vehicle and you know keep him going because you know what, you're only going to get a few more years before he's not going to be able to do it at all. So let's let's get as much out of him as we can while he's he's willing to do it. How about you, Justin? You have any final thoughts on on this film in particular? I really enjoyed it. I uh, I was happy that they treated the character with the proper respect they deserved. Um, you know, like like you said in the intro, like this is the you know Toei's year of the superhero. It's an anniversary for Kamen Rider and Super Sentai, and we've had a you know we've had a couple of uh, anniversary projects, and I know there's another one. Coming next year, a uh, Space Sheriff Gavin versus Decker Ranger film. I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I'm kind of curious, like what what kind of like other anniversary projects we're gonna get in between there. I'm kind of like I'm like I hope they've got like something else like up their sleeve. Like I I hope for um Juoger like when they do their like crossover movie in the winter. I hope they have like a really good you know uh, a hook for that or some where they have like a whole bunch of like. Uh, you know, former like Sentai people like coming back for that, but uh, yeah, like I, I really enjoyed this film. Cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this was a, a good choice. I, I did enjoy it. I agree with Justin that it deserves the, the proper, you know, that that Takashi Hongo got the proper reverence and and treatment in the film and everything, and I, I think that was well deserved. I, I think, you know, as far as what Ron's saying, if, if there are to be, you know. Uh, newer series featuring him if that's something he wants to do like yeah I'd be all for it I I, I, I kind of feel like this is the intent of this film as well you know that that it's it's one of these like you know maybe happy swan songs so you know and if, they, if I guess if you could squeeze a few more happy swan songs out of them I, I'm sure nobody would be you know uh, but, but, but Derek do you want to know my final thoughts uh, I, oh, all right. Yeah. What are your final thoughts, Tony? That, are you going to watch this fucking thing or what? I should have watched it. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we've spoiled every scene for you. Yeah. Spoilers are fine. I, I, spoilers are fine because I should have fucking watched it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So if you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can send them to us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We are, of course, on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We're on all kinds of social media, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All you millennials, if you have any, or post-millennials or anybody who's offended, if you have any hate mail, please go ahead and send it to fanholespodcast at gmail.com. And we are on iTunes. We're on Stitcher Radio. We can be streamed there. 
And I would like to just turn it over to Ron real quick. Where can people find you on the internet, sir? Like, give a give a shout out and promote yourself. Well, I, I wish I could because uh, I'd like to find myself on the internet. Um, <laughs> uh, and you can listen to older episodes of uh, Dinner for Geeks on uh, dinnerforgeeks.com, uh, a member of the uh, Two True Freaks Network. Um, Hopefully we'll post new ones at some point if someone will actually get around to editing them because we're still recording them. They're just sitting in someone in, on a computer somewhere. Um, so, yeah, just to you know, hop over there. And we got plenty. We got like three or four years of stuff. So yeah, we did it every week. So Cool. Yeah. So check out, check out the backlog for Dinner for Geeks if you guys haven't already that are listening. But I think that's going to wrap us up for tonight. So until the next time. This is going to be Derek, Derek W.C. Right on. Kick! Signing off. This is Jeff. Tony. Should have watched it! <laughs> and this is Jess Ron. Uh, appreciate it and thank you again. It's a pleasure to have you, sir. All right, everybody. Good Ron, we appreciate it. Hey, it was, not a it problem. It's always always fun having having folks on the show who, like you said, enjoy talking about the tokusatsu. By the stuff. way, uh, I, I, I took a, a counter. Ron got more sick burns on me than anybody on this entire fucking show. <laughs> I thought that was sort of the thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this is just a joint. So how quickly you keyed in on that? <laughs> hey, my first rodeo. Uh. Uh. Uh.